yeah. it also may be that I was always a horrible student at whatever <laughs> at whatever I happened to be right. be doing. I, I was never a very good student. <laughs> Welcome to session eight of the This Should Work podcast with our next guest, Hayne Bayless. I traveled out to Connecticut this week to speak at the Association of Science and Technology Centers on making makerspaces and how you can do that within your big institutions. And while I was out there, I met with Hayne and talked a little bit about his work. Hayne is a potter a board member of Studio Pottery Literary Journal, Studio Potter Literary Journal, rather, and also a, bo- a board member of Pots on Wheels. <laughs> so let's say all that t- 10 times fast. Uh, so we talked with Hayne a little bit this week about um, all of his craft work that he does. And I think you're really going to enjoy this interview because uh, he goes into um, not only the craft, but his way of thinking about how he does things and makes things, which is really fun to listen to. Anyway, thanks for listening to This Should Work. If you enjoy this podcast, as many of you have over these past couple months that we've been going, please subscribe to us on any of your favorite podcasting apps and check us out on shouldworkmedia.com. That's shouldworkmedia.com. Thanks again, and here's our interview, session number eight, with Hayne Bayless. Yeah. Thank you, Kathy. All right. So this is This Should Work. Session eight with Hane Bayless, uh, and Hane is a, and I want to make sure I get this right, Potter, but also a board member of Studio Potter Literary Journal and board member of Pots on Wheels, and those things are very interesting, and I want to talk about those too because I really like the idea behind Pots on Wheels. But uh, I wanted to first say thank you for for joining me today. Delighted. And um, I'm happy to be out here in Connecticut right now. <laughs> Um, uh, to meet with you. So um, the way that we usually, and by we, if, if you uh, catch me saying we, it's just I. I'm the only person doing any of this. The way that I usually start this off is by asking you, um, first of all, is there anything else you'd like to add to that introduction? Um, I think that pretty much that pretty much covers it. I mean, that's that that is what that is what I call myself a potter yeah. and. Um, it, it covers a variety of sins, but it it, <laughs> it really um, I, you know, some people use use other terms, ceramist or sculptor or you know, depending on depending on what their what their focus is. But uh, I really I really think I think in terms of work that is really intended for the table and specifically uh, eating from, and so. Hmm. That that's why that that's why to me the term potter is is kind of the, the the closest the closest one. Would you consider that more? I'm already off the rails. 
would you consider that more generalist or would you consider that a very specific you know versus ceramicist or ceramist or yeah that's a good question uh i think i think a, cer a ceramist would would yes. certainly include non non functional work yeah. sculpt sculpture um that sort oh. of that sort of thing okay um so but it you know it, it it's all a matter of of nomenclature and yeah and, um but I do, I do think, and well, I think even even the term potter can 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 often include um, work that isn't isn't actually intended to be used. Yeah. Would you Would you consider most of your work functional? Yeah. Then? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's really that's really the to me is is what what I think about is is and what delights me about it is the thought that at some point somebody's actually going to be using mm. this piece in the, in in their daily life and, yeah um i could switch that off that's uh, okay no more that um so and i know and i know that there are probably pieces that i make uh larger more expensive pieces that might very well simply end up on a shelf sure um and never and never get used yeah. um, but they're they're all intended to be used, yeah. whether, whether they actually get used or not. So that's a good segue into, and I mentioned I usually, so this is how we usually start this off, is um, I like to ask people what they're making for themselves. Not for anybody else, but what's a personal project, doesn't have to be related to pottery even, um, but what's a personal project that you're working on right now, just just for you? Um, oh, God, that's a good question. Uh, do I make things that... I are not for somebody else. Um, I must, but I'm not coming up with yeah. anything right at the moment. You know, the, the last person I interviewed, her name was Jackie Moore, and she said, I think the last thing I've made for myself was probably when I was in school. <laughs> uh, and Jackie said that was probably like 40 years ago or something like that. Um, and she said most of her work, and I find that with a lot of the people that I've been interviewing, is is for with other people you know i think that's where they find a lot of people find a lot of meaning is not just the in, internal but is the is the the aspect of sharing it with others and i've compared it before to um it's like the difference between playing guitar in your bedroom versus playing mm -hmm. it with right. a band in front of an audience right is that do you find that is that well yeah, yeah. um uh, um you know, I think, I think that I think actually the tools that I make are um, probably the closest, mm. um, because those those really are are um, you know I'm not I'm not selling the tools, although some people have asked whether I would make them tools, mm. um, but that's really not something I want to I want to get into. Yeah. Uh, is making tools for other people, but I I I, ha I enjoy making tools almost as much as I as I enjoy making pots, and and the reason I make those tools is because most of the time I find the tools that are uh, are sold as clay tools uh, by some manufacturer just don't do what I want them to do or don't do quite what I want them to do. Huh. So either I'm modifying something that somebody else made 
or I'm just starting from scratch and coming up with something that really fits my needs more. So you're, so you're, you're, you have very would you say specific needs that you're, you're making these tools for or modifying these? Oh tools? Yeah, yeah, right, right. And um, um, because I'm a hand builder as opposed to a thrower, so this is a this is a uh, sort of a basic distinction, and this is sort of a, a, a large dividing line between two very uh, distinct ways of ways of working in clay. Right. A lot of people work on the wheel, right. and that's called throwing. Yes. And everybody else is a hand builder, yeah. and works with slabs or extrusions yeah. or kind of any anything else other than the wheel. Yeah. So, and it's and it's necessarily kind of tool dependent because you don't have uh, the you don't have the wheel doing that work for you of of turning the clay yeah. through your hands. You have to do all of that stuff, and so at least at least in my approach, it's very much uh, dependent on using all of these other tools. So. Even the term hand building is kind of not quite accurate. It's more, it's more tool building, to so, me. That's interesting. Did you choose? So you mentioned the, the the things that you make are mostly tools, and that's what you enjoy, and also that you chose, you you chose this route in in pottery at some point. And is that is that related to your um, enjoyment in building tools in some way? Is are those two things connected somehow? Um, I, I think so, but even 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 just the the uh, the act of making a tool with a piece of metal or a piece of wood or a combination of yeah. those two things, um, I I really I really enjoy the the discovery of what those materials are all about because I don't really know that much. I, I know I know a fair amount about clay, but I don't know a whole lot about wood or metal. Okay. Uh, or other things, and they're all they all they all work very very differently, yeah. and have different qualities and properties. And to me, it's just I just enjoy that that part of it. Does it introduce like a different kind of chaos into something that you have more <laughs> certainty over? Like a, mm, if mm, you if you know less just, about wood or metal or yeah, it may, it it may very well yeah. If you don't if you don't know very much, then there's that's a down there's a downside but the upside yeah. also is that maybe you're maybe you're not restricted by this this sort of uh, the 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 weight of of accumulated knowledge and um, maybe that frees you up huh. in a way that somebody who you know went to school in uh, in a particular field uh, might might not be I I, I never had I never took clay in college and, and don't have any academic uh, experience right. of it. I'm, I'm almost entirely self self taught. Yeah, and that's something that you mention in your your bio or you know in your about page, and it seems to come up often. And it seems to be like a point of you don't have pride because maybe you don't have. Is it because you don't have that baggage then? Because you don't have the. Uh, it maybe uh, yeah. it also may be that I was always a horrible student at whatever <laughs> at whatever I happened to be, right. be doing. I I was never a very good student. Would you would you say you learn with your your hands more than 
yeah. by instruction sure. or yeah. so let me ask you something then um, you because I know uh, that you've taught classes and you teach classes how do you how does how does your um, your experience with how you learn affect how you teach other people things yeah so yeah that's a um, you know just because you know something doesn't mean you can teach it right and um, there are uh, there are people out there um, who are absolutely wonderful at what they do but they don't really they haven't developed the skill of how to transfer that yeah. knowledge just to somebody else and it's a whole a whole different set of skills that I had to learn and and I'm still learning um, uh, how, how to how not it's not just a matter of transferring knowledge um, but I think it's it's almost as much about transferring enthusiasm mm. and um, that those are those are those are very different things yeah and um, if if you if if you if you're kind of in touch with what it is about something that that kind of gets you going and and gets you interested and excited, um, then I think it's a lot easier to to let that sort of seep into uh, across the across the barrier to, to to somebody else. That's fascinating. How 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 do you teach? I, f I find this too. So. Um, you know, there are uh, some educators, you know, maybe that, some that I work with, but just in general that I've, you know, observed over time and they teach um, uh, by rote, right? They, they have uh, knowledge and the students in front of them are now the receptacles. And there's a syllabus and... Right, yeah. yeah. And then there are other teachers who, uh, maybe they have a component of that, but then they also have, they also try to integrate that hands-on learning aspect and, and maybe that's where the enthusiasm, the transfer of enthusiasm happens. Mm -hmm. um, how do you, how do you transfer your enthusiasm for, for what you do uh, to others? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to, I'm, I, I'm not sure I can put that into words. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of been a process of um, Kind of just organically seeing what works and what doesn't work, and if I uh, on a, set set out a uh, a demonstration of a particular form or a particular technique, and it doesn't seem to be grabbing hold uh, uh, of of very many people, then. Uh, I'm, I might have to sort of think. Okay, well, what what what's a better what's a better way of presenting this than than what I did? Because obviously, what I'm doing is not 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 quite working. Yeah. And what, what's interesting to me about that is, um, and and you know, we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording as well. Is a lot of the work that you do is seems to be at least just from my observations um, related to. Uh, exploring how material um, and your your interactions with it, um, what what emerges from that interaction, and it seems like you're talking about teaching in a very similar way, which is you know the people are almost the material then, 
and you're interacting with them and some experience is emerging from that and you're kind of improvising along the way. Mm. Is that is that something that you think is, is intrinsic to a lot of the work that you do? or It could be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm no, I don't know that I've ever thought about it in quite in those terms, but yeah. it, it could very well be. Yeah. So, you know, I've talked with a lot of people who... who, who um, who think that way, you know, not in terms of outcome necessarily, or at least a specific desired outcome, but in terms of feelings. So you want to have this feeling after you're done, or you want to evoke this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, you know, I guess what I'm trying to get at is if that's something that, you know, when you look at your work or, or your classes, are you trying to evoke a specific thing? Is there something that you're dancing around yeah uh yeah it's a, that's very that's a very good question i i i do often experience pull at pulling something out of the kiln at, at, at after it's after it's fired for instance and having a kind of a visceral reaction to it mm. good or bad yeah. um but not something i can really put into words yeah. It's not. I wouldn't be able to say, well, it's because of this, that, or the other thing that I have this particular feeling about it. It's, it's, um, it re- it really does. It's almost an emotional kind of response that um, yeah. is is not quite uh, not quite something that I that I have the eloquence to 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 really put put words to, and it. Um, and it can change, and this is the interesting thing. I'll, many times, I'll take something out of the kiln, and um, I, ha- I, 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 I might not like it for whatever for whatever reason, or for a reason that I can't quite put my finger on. But I've learned if I put it aside for several weeks, and then come back to it, yeah. my feeling about it will often be much. Different and 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 better. I'll 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 like it more. Hmm. I think because by that time I have I have dropped all my preconceived notions about what I thought it might be or what mm. I had hoped it would be. Sure. And I can sort of look at it more in terms in its own in its own terms. Yeah. Rather than my expectations. Um, so I've I've learned not to. Not to consign to the junk heap immediately things that things that I might not uh, might not feel are, are my best work and wow um, it 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 makes a difference time just just that little bit of time can make a difference that's that's that connects to um, you know some of the things that that Jackie in, from our last episode and I were talking about in that um, you you have preconceived ideas about what a thing should be but if you can move beyond them. You can you can um, recognize the potential in the thing without those. So we were talking about uh, students that she works with, and she might have a lesson where she has some intended outcome for it. Um, but as soon as she's able to um, move beyond that outcome and recognize the potential in the student and what they want to do and how they want to speak, she can move them outwards and, and into some other you know, zone of, of learning and it might not necessarily be the the intention that she had, but they're they're at least you know able to expand outward. And I'm just finding so many connections here between you know both talking about your, the teaching that you do and the work that you do and a lot of these other um, 
you know, conversations that I've had with people. I don't know if you have, when you teach some intended outcome for the people that you work with or... So that comes into play often when uh, I see that somebody is uh, becoming frustrated with what they're working on often because they're looking at what I have just done or made compare and they're comparing what they're doing to yeah. my example and it doesn't look like what I made and so they feel they're doing something wrong or um, that uh, it, it just is somehow not, not up to snuff because it doesn't look like what I made. And I, right. I have learned that I need, to, I need to assure them that the very first time I ever made whatever it was, it sure as hell didn't look very much right. different than what they just made. Yeah. So um, I, I, need, I need to remind them that... that trying to draw those comparisons, that comparing what they're making with, with, with what I have just demonstrated is really not the point and doesn't, doesn't really get them anywhere. It's really more about using the techniques that I have been talking about in, in what they make and don't pay attention. And it's a hard thing to do because mm. people, um, they don't, they don't want they don't want to ignore how what they're working on looks like right. but i i want to try to draw them away from that a little bit and just to concentrate on the technique and um yeah uh so um i try to i try to i try to say you know think try to think beyond the particular piece you're looking at actually think think two or three more pieces beyond mm. what you're working on take what take what you've done here move that to the next step use what you are have learned in this one to inform the, what you're going to do to the next one because it really it really never about that particular piece it's yeah. about the process and about yeah. the learning and the and the evolution of the piece, the form, but your but your own skill as well. So I think that's a perfect transition into talking about some of your work, and I want to talk about your Kickstarter as well. Um, well real quick, though, I want to jump back uh, during during the beginning of our of our interview. You mentioned that um, you you enjoy making tools, but you would never make them for other people. You make all these other pieces for other people, what is it about tools that's different? Oh, yeah, I think, well, um, I think to, in that case, it's really just a, it's really more a matter of time. Okay. Uh, yeah. It takes, you know, um, you know, $50, because that's what my, that's, that's how, that's how I would value the time that I put right. into it. Yeah. But I'm going to get that, I'm going to get that value out of that tool right. over the over the lifespan of of, of it and me. Right. Um, but I can't do that with with a with something that I'm going to try to sell. So sure. That's I think that's the only difference there. Sure. Would you view your tools? It seems like they're part of your how you express yourself. Would you Would you Would they be a part of um, 
Would it, would it be different though if you you made multiples of them and released them out? Would, would that be a perhaps? Yeah, and and that and a number of people have 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 said, well, you know, just uh, there's there's a a guy who runs a ceramic uh, uh, supply uh, outfit um, who I. I was talking to. He said, "Just, just make me a prototype, and I'll send it to China, and yeah. <laughs> and sure. we'll get you know." Uh, and I, I considered it, but that just didn't. There was just nothing really attractive about that to me. So yeah, um, I didn't go down that road. No, that's 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 very interesting. <coughs> I, I think tool making is, has always been interesting to me because it's it's um, I don't want to say it's a step beyond because it's not right. There are a lot of people who actually make tools and don't know much about the craft that they're making the tools for, right? You could have a luthier who does not play guitar. Um, uh, but there is something about somebody who is who is um, so involved with their craft that they've, uh, they've moved beyond whatever tools they have, or not beyond, you, you probably still use many common tools as well, but you've, you've, you've also started making your own things. And that that's one of those things that's that's very interesting to me about that, and that's why I wanted to ask that question. I wanted I want to jump to um, you know we were talking a little bit about um, your work and uh, and the things that you make, and I'm looking around this room right now, and there are a lot of functional things um, like we were talking about before, and I, I kind of wanted to I'm, I'm interested in what it is about functional things that draws you to them. Um, over rather than creating, um, you know, I, I don't know what other, what other pieces I can come to mind right now, but not let's say non-functional pieces. What is it that that draws you to these these functional things? Uh, I do think I do think it is because uh, I I imagine that the these the pieces that I make will at, eventually sort of become part of another person's um, everyday life mm -hmm. and maybe they maybe they don't even think about it mm. um, in, in uh, um, it's just it just sort of becomes oh I'm gonna pick this plate out of the cupboard and put my toast on it in the morning sure. and um, but I do th I do think that um, it, a, a handmade object, um, just because I know it has this effect in my life, um, using using something that was made by another human being um, has, I think, a subtle and and again maybe unconscious mm. effect on on the user on uh, and um, that's important to me. Why? Why is that? Why is it that a handmade thing? So we uh, in in maker spaces we might have a three D printer, and you might design the thing on a computer and then three D print it. But I agree, it, it doesn't have that same. You, you pull the piece of plastic off of the bed, and it doesn't have that same aesthetic um, touch to it. What is it about a handmade thing that's that's that enhances? The experience. Yeah, uh, I know it's it's a it's it's an ama it's a topic that I think is just um, uh, so multifaceted that yeah, um, I there there was a wonderful project that that uh, happened a number of years ago in 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 Philadelphia uh, a uh, 
uh, one of the one of the clay uh, centers there uh, called Clay Studio uh, did this thing called I think they called it Gorilla Coffee Mugs. Okay. Uh, gorilla, the the uh, the yeah, the fighter, you, not the right, not the yeah. ape. Um, right. Che Guevara. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> They went out uh, on one day, uh, sent half a dozen people out to street, busy street corners in the middle of the day with a tray of handmade coffee mugs. Okay. And as people were walking by carrying their plastic or cardboard right. coffee, they would buttonhole them and say, I'll trade you that cup for this cup yeah and a number of people ignored them and a number sure. of people considered it and said no and but a, a number of people said oh all right that sounds kind of cool and then um, and they and they would video the the reactions and and um, it was really a remarkable thing because a lot a lot of times in the conversation people would go the the the, the interviewer would say well how many, you know, in your life, in your house, in your apartment, how many, how many handmade objects do you do you own? Yeah. And some would go, yeah, I've got this or that, and some would go, I don't have anything. Yeah. And it was just never occurred to them. It was just never a part of their life. It just didn't interest them. Yeah. But they did, at that moment, stop and were intrigued enough to to do that to do that trade and. Um, you know that was one that was one little ten minute inter, inter, interchange, but I kind of have to think that from that point on, that person had a different a different attitude and uh, maybe a little bit of a different reality about the objects in their in their life, and I think that's important. How many handmade objects do you have in but, your house? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most most of them, I would I would say. Yes. How, how, so, in your repertoire of skills, uh, pottery, are you doing a lot of other things around the house? Just a this is more of a personal question than it is. You know, we'll get back to your work in a second. Yeah, no, no. Uh, <laughs> you, and you might have seen on the table out there. We've got some floor tiles laid out, and yeah. we're having our our bathrooms redone. Yeah. After after a disastrous. Uh, experience with with some tile with some um, cork cork tiles that were not um, were not waterproof and sure uh, so um, half of those tiles we are are stone tiles actually I, I think they're Carrera marble okay um, I, and the other half are tiles that I made years ago for a project that I can't even remember now, but yeah. I just sort of ran across them and they happened to to work with with this project. So they'll 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 go down on the floor now after having spent years in a box and um oh. uh, and so that that happens a lot. Yeah. Uh, kind of kind of thing. So there's a there's a there's a lot of that there's a lot of that around here. Yeah. You can you can tell too that the the space kind of speaks a little bit differently than you know maybe a a place that's um, and I don't like speaking in the negative but the, than a place that's full of um, 
IKEA furniture or, or something like we, that. We have a fair amount of IKEA furniture yeah. too. So. so what's the yeah? So well, I mean, you probably built it, right? So right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's you know that's that's so the the I guess what I'm getting at or, or trying to to work around here is that your work and your the environment that you work in and the the places the, the ways that you teach they all seem to be maybe informed by by some kind of way of of thinking about how things are generative and and crafted. Um, there also seems to be a component of um, you you know you in in your uh, bio you talk about um, I think you said you went to to school for seven years or eight years or something like that um, and um, you know like we were talking about before you you you, um, you talk a lot about how you don't have like a formal academic training in, in pottery and there seems to be a lot of I don't I don't want to say like counter cultural but like counter um, you know you take some pride in in uh, coming from a different angle uh, mm. at things. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I, I think maybe I'm just an iconoclast by nature, and yeah. um, <laughs> if 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 there's if there's a tried and true way of doing something, yeah. I'll try to find something else, some, some other way, of, some other way of doing it. Yeah, um, and maybe it's just sheer orneriness, or um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm not. I don't think I'm. I'm I'm generally an, an an unpleasant guy, or a or a or somebody who just doesn't doesn't yeah. uh, hew to uh, most most societal norms. But there there is something I think in me that just wants to wants to tweak things or or look for a different way. Yeah. Um, just for the for the sake of it. Do you consider yourself a tinkerer? Mm, oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. tinker a lot. What is it about tinkering is very fascinating to me because it's it's not like it's not just like making when you make something right you, you can do it from almost whole cloth right and when you're tinkering with something you're you're questioning its existence and you're taking it apart um, or at least that's what I find interesting about it what you know what's the my, my when I was in high school and maybe it was junior high my parents were horrified to come home one I don't remember where they they had gone they been away for several days and came back and I had taken apart the piano. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it wasn't a great piano, it was just kind of an old upright that right. nobody was using, but I I wanted to find out what went into it and how it was put together and I yeah. kind of took most of it apart. And um, uh, uh, so I think that, that, was, that was kind of... Yeah. Um, that was an important important step in in. Um, I mean, I'm I'm just I'm I'm glad I didn't have the compunction to say to that 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 would keep me from from doing. I was like, oh, you can't do that. You can't take yeah. the piano apart. But right. that, that would ruin it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I find that interesting. So this is something that I, I think about a lot these days is um, computers. Especially when I grew up, but I mean, even now, there are, computers are very expensive things to tinker with because uh, they they cost a lot of money, and a lot of people don't know what happens after you take it apart. When I was a, a kid, we didn't have a whole lot of money, and it's not like we're, but we didn't have enough where we had one computer. It was an old Tandy. It was a hand-me-down from 
you know, the place that my, my mother worked at. And, um, you know, they, they, my parents would have been horrified. I was always curious about what was in it, but they were horrified if I took it apart because that means you don't have a computer anymore. What do you do? And what troubles me sometimes about all these things that we have around us is the, um, the inhibition that's almost uh, put upon um, people that you can't take that apart because if you do, you, you don't have any more of that thing because it's so expensive. Yeah. It's, with, with a lot of the work that you do, though, um, and, and I saw you, you do some, some education with kids or, or when you're at, at events and, and, and so forth, too. It's it's not like a computer necessarily, but you do get to tinker. They they get to tinker with that, and I wonder if there's is there like an a switch you see flipping in them, or some like oh wow I can play with this too, um, that's happening. What's the well yeah, and and just parenthetically that piano never got put back together. So <laughs> right that right that was the end of that. That was the end of that piano. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, when we with Pots on Wheels, for instance, when we do, go around and do programs, uh, which are really specifically aimed at kids, yeah. um, that's kind of what we're trying to offer is the opportunity to tinker, yeah. to lay out the the materials and the tools, and say, do whatever you feel like. Yeah, um, here's some ideas. Right. You know, because a lot of kids, not just kids, adults right. too, if uh, you put stuff in front of them and they're just going to go, okay, now what? Right, right. Um, so uh, you can you can sort of spur them, nudge nudge them in various directions and give them, give them ideas and give them examples. But you're not going to, or you shouldn't, I don't think, say this is what you do and this is not what, or, or that's not what you do. Yeah. Just let them have at it, and that's you know that's giving giving them permission to explore without the um, restriction that it has to have a certain outcome. Yeah, it's just completely open ended, and it doesn't yeah. matter what comes out at the end. It's the the the, the whole point is doing it. And, yeah, that seems almost antithetical to. Um, and I don't want to lament again, but the, the, the way a lot of education works right now, which is getting people ready for tests. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, there are right answers, um, and there's a way to get to those right answers, and then that's, that's all there is. Um, and, you know, more or less, we're producing children who can then go on to work for other people, right? And, and what you're doing, it almost fits in with that counterculture kind of aspect a little bit, is, is providing an alternative to that, would that be? Is that fair to say? I should ask so, that after everything I say. Is that fair to say? Am I paraphrasing correctly? Yeah, is that I think a? You are. Yeah? yeah, I think you are. So that's, I mean, okay. So what? What got you started? How did you find Kickstarter? What got What got you started with this this whole project? Um, Kickstarter. So the I'm um, sorry. Um, so the pots on wheels. Oh yeah. Right, had had a, a um, there was a certain amount of money raised, right, um, to fund it. <clears throat> um, so I, I guess you know if we're to look at the the whole process, you started off with with an idea that you wanted to educate, you know, t t kids in particular. Mm. How did that? Where did that come from? Yeah, um, w uh, there were a group of us. We were all all potters. We were uh, sitting around talking. 
um, thinking thinking about the the state of affairs in in craft in general, but in in clay in particular, and noticing that um, in a lot of uh, schools that um, were under budgetary pressures, that um, the arts tend to be one of the first things that get diminished or or axed entirely uh, mm-hmm. when when money gets tight, and so there were a lot of kids uh, that were gro- growing up and having going through school who just didn't ever didn't ever have that exposure that experience to clay, but then in sort of in the larger in the larger um, realm of not even having the experience of making something with their own hands, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, that tra- that translates later on in life to not really having an appreciation for the handmade object. Okay. And. And then I think we were we also thought about it really strictly in very kind of <laughs> selfish terms. It's like okay, well, if people aren't if if more and more people don't appreciate the handmade object, where does that leave us? Um, sure. You know, and we've all we've all experienced uh, over the last number of years that the business of of selling handmade objects is getting tougher. Really, and um, so yeah. Why? Why is that? Um, the number of galleries that deal in craft in general is is many fewer than it was ten or twenty years ago. Yeah. Uh, so what's going on? And I kind of, I think we all kind of put the blame on on education and yeah. and lack lack of. Yeah, that experience when you're when you're in that in that age of uh, yeah. So um, it was as much it was the the impulse it was as much self preservation as sure. as anything else. So is this, but it's not self preservation for for you necessarily, right? It's self preservation for it seems some like the, a broader the the craft world in general. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's um. A phenomenon called the extinction of experience, mm. and it's been used. I've heard primarily around nature, um, in that we have a, a largely now seventy. They, they think it's predicted in the next ten to fifteen years, about eighty percent, seventy to eighty percent of the world's population will live in um, urban areas, um, which removes you in part from uh, the nature around you, and so if you don't. If you aren't immersed in it, or at least if you don't visit it every once in a while, then you you place less of a a value in it because you don't have that that connection to the thing. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're you're very much talking about mm-hmm. a similar extinction of experience in some ways with craft. Is that is that with all craft? Do you think in general, or is it? I do. I have talked to a number of people who who are are not potters. They're yeah. they're weavers or they're jewelers, and uh, a lot of them say the same thing. Yeah, so so that's that's very interesting. And maker maker so in the maker world that we're in, um, you know, it's it's almost a, a different effect right now where people are 
um, you know, so for instance, at, at DePaul University, where we started this makerspace, um, you know, we have 4,500 square feet in the loop of Chicago, not, not inexpensive. And um, it was just because the school decided that they wanted to put money towards this one big thing. And you go to these maker fairs and people are buying, um, you know, 3D printers that they may not even be able to use and all of this other stuff. And, you know, there are these spaces popping up all over the place that um, may go completely unused um, entirely. Um, but there seems to be some kind of enthusiasm behind this new technology. Is there kind of like a, you know, I've, I've always wondered if, if, if new tools and new tech, especially as somebody who makes tools, if new tools and new technology are things that people get excited about, whether or not they have value and, and they, um, they lose sight of, you know, some of these older tools mm. and, and forms. Of yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question. I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't have, yeah. I don't have any experience in, in the digital yeah. realm as it, as it intersects with clay. There, yeah. are, there are a lot of people out there doing, doing digital clay. Yeah. Um, and I, I think in, I think in general, any, any new technology, um, is and you know it just it because of because hu human nature is is what it is we are you know i think that i think an anthropologist would tell you that that's kind of one of the things one of the really important things that separates homo sapiens from everybody else is that we are tool makers right and yeah there are a few other animals who 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 make tools but yeah by and large that's that's kind of what what defines us uh, as as beings, and so I think it's it's in our in our nature, in our in our DNA to to really adopt uh, or explore new new technologies as as they come forward, and yeah. um, I think that's all all well and good, and I and I I'm I, I'll be negative here for a minute. I haven't seen a whole lot of 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 uh, printed, 3D printed clay that I would want in my house. Yeah. Um, but it's early days, and sure. um, people are still uh, very much in the in the stage of trying to wrap their heads and, and their aesthetics around what this what this is actually capable of, of doing. And yeah. I, I have no I have no doubt that um, at some point. People will start making really, really, really lovely stuff. Um, yeah. So, uh, I think I think it's all I think it's all good. Quite possibly. Yeah. So you make. What's interesting? So, so you've mentioned um, during my time here, um, architects. You've mentioned uh, anthropologists. Um, we're talking a little bit about art, um, and then there's this whole like uh, archaeology. I think you've mentioned as well, or, or something. Around these things, there's a book that, that I'm getting to. There's a book called "Making Ar Archaeology, Anthropology, and Architecture" um, by uh, uh, Tim Ingold. He's a uh, I don't know where he teaches somewhere in England, um, and he he talks about making in the context of these four these four things. And we've talked a little bit about the tools you make. We've talked a little bit about the things that I mean, you're making things that if if somebody um, found them, you know, a hundred years from now, which could in part speak to who we are, and I wonder, we haven't talked about the art so much, and I saw you do some silk screening, I saw that you do, um, and the pieces themselves are of, of course art as well, and, and pieces that ex 
that you view as expressions of yourself in, in some way, maybe. It, am I paraphrasing uh, okay again? Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. So, so we, and, and we've also talked about how you hope that people, if these objects are in their homes, they may not recognize that they're making their lives better, but they're there. But you have to hope that your, you know, what, whatever it is that you're working on, whatever um, feeling it is that you're trying to, that you might get to or, or is in there in some small way and is affecting that individual outside of it just being a, a, a cup. What is... What is yeah. yeah. Uh, I, if I understand your, your, your yeah. question, how, how, how does... How does what I do, or how, or how I do it, the aesthetics of it? How does, how do I think about that in terms of, yeah. of the ultimate user? And um, the answer to that is not available to me. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know, and I'm not entirely sure that that's really all that important to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, if if it if something I make resonates with somebody then they'll either have a response of oh I like that uh, or hopefully oh I like that and here I'll write you a check sure sure um, <laughs> but either either way whatever it is that I have done has had has had some effect and 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 evokes a response of, of, of varying varying degrees yeah and as far as that goes that's that's enough for me just that it that it somehow it somehow resonates and um it i can't i can't assume that it resonates for the reason for the same with somebody else right for the same reasons that it does for me of course right um and i have no way of, of knowing and maybe there is no way of knowing that but the fact the fact that it does to for somehow some to some extent is is all is kind of all i need what's your favorite thing to make yeah um <laughs> again not it it depends okay, on right. it would depend entirely on when you ask me okay um, sure uh there are lots of times i go to bed thinking i had this i had this object in my head that's yeah. sort of swirling around and i go okay that's what i'm going to do in the morning when i when i get up and i get into the studio that's what i'm going to be doing yeah um but it's almost always a different thing each time and um every so often there'll be something that dictates some some external force like a, an order or a show coming up right. where I don't have that freedom. I, I go, oh, I have to make this, that, or the other thing, at least for the time being. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, could have, I could have many worse problems than, than, than that. Um, but when, when, those outside, uh, when those outside pressures aren't there, um, then it's it's very much a free for all. I, yeah. I sort of um, it's it's it really does determine d- depend on what I what I happen to have seen uh, recently um, or um, talked about with somebody or uh, uh, just happened to happened to pass by uh, yeah. on on my shelf or somebody else's yeah. shelf something that that might intrigue me. 
you, you talked a little bit before about how um, when you're teaching people, um, it's not about the, the end product, it's about the process and the process that you're walking through. Is that, would you compare that to how you do your work? That it's always, that it's a, a process or do you, I mean, you do, like you said, have these external pressures sometimes where maybe it's less about the process and more about making, you know, the thing. But, you know, if you're looking in a, in a, in a grander arc, is, is it also for you about the process? Yeah, still? yeah. I think, again, um, this, your, your questions are very good because I, I, I think sometimes I, I, uh, I, I, I need to think in, in, on the grander arc scale more <laughs> often than I, than I, than I do. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think I think that's right. Uh, I think it, that I think almost everything that we encounter or do uh, or, or in, our, in our lives really is a process, yeah. um, and it's not not it's really not so much about the thing. Um, life is a process. Yeah. Um, if you if you think about if you think about it in just in terms of of who I am, what I do to day to day to day, I think that you don't, you maybe are not uh, appreciating your, your, your life as much as you could if you do, if you start to think about it as, as huh. a process that had a beginning, a middle and an end. Sure. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I wonder if you're, do your pieces then have, reflect, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever, different things that you've learned, different places that you're... Yeah, that's an odd thing to look, to go and look at. I often don't see older work of mine, usually because by that, you know, after, after a certain length of time, it's gone. Right. Either I've sold it or I've trashed it or something. Yeah. Um, But every so often I'll, I'll go to somebody's house who bought something from me, even, you know, sometimes 12, 15 years ago, yeah. and I'll, it'll be kind of a, it'll be a shock, first of all, yeah. because uh, it's been a while since I have uh, seen something uh, that's, that has that kind of antiquity, yeah. and uh, sometimes I'm really delighted and uh, go, oh man, I, I remember that, it was yeah. a, that was a road I was going down at the point, and maybe at some at, at certain point I I stopped that inquiry and went on to something else. So it sometimes ah. jogs a memory and go, oh, you know, I should I should explore that again. Uh, just as often though, I'll look at something and kind of be horrified. And be like, <laughs> Yipes, that's pretty right. awful. I <laughs> I make those much better now. Right. Um, I I do remember walking into a, a Potter friend's house and seeing something that he had gotten from me years and years ago. And I thought, yeah. I'll trade you for, for that because I do that so much. And he, no, no, it's, it's, right. he wasn't going to, he, he liked that piece for, for what it was. And, yeah. and um, but he saw something different in it. He, d- that, he, uh, he did. Right. right. And, uh, but in my mind, that piece had, had evolved yeah. to a point where the, the, the older piece just didn't, didn't do for me what it what it once did and, yeah. but that's that's part of the process too yeah you're talking about these things almost like people talk about like food or a smell in that you know you they they bring back yeah, memories right. about the place you were in or the yeah. what you were doing at the time right so th- these things evoke for for you that you make do they do they evoke 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Strong memories. Strong of... memories and of, of times and places and um, that's another re another reason why I I mean I have a most most of the pieces that I have actually collected. Yeah. Um, other other than the few pieces of my own that I really really liked and wanted to hang on to. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I 95% of the pieces that I have, uh, and at least at least uh, pots, uh, are other people's other people's work, and almost almost entirely uh, people that I know, at least or at least have met. Yeah, and when I open my cupboard in the morning to pick out my coffee mug, mm -hmm. I almost—it's not—I often don't even—it's not even so much that I see the mug; I see the face of the person who made it, mm. and and um, that's that's delightful. Yeah, that's really wonderful. So a handmade thing, handmade thing to you at, at least, but I think it'll, it it represents not just aesthetically what it looks like, but the aesthetics represent. The individual, and that's what you're. It's very, yeah. It's very much a personified kind of kind yeah. of relationship. So how do you pick? How do you pick when you're when you're buying something that somebody else has made? How do you choose? <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. Uh, it's there are so many there's so many wonderful potters out there who make wonderful work, and yeah. I'm I just I mean you can as you can as you can see I'm I'm an acquisitive person I just yeah. I, I just need to need to acquire stuff <laughs> and beyond beyond the stuff that I that I make myself and so it's it's very hard if I, if I like somebody's work I just I just want it and yeah um, I, there are a lot of times when I come back from doing a craft show and um, I, I say to my wife yeah I, I sold some pieces and I bought some That's pieces <laughs> yeah right it's a visceral uh, reaction you're talking ho about. Hopefully, I I've, I've sold more than I than I've bought. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that may not be the case. Mm. What um, I have a couple. I don't want to take up too much of your time today, but I do have a couple more questions, if that's okay. Please. So, we talked a little bit about pieces. You said about ten percent of the pieces that you have are yours here. If that's a give or take, right? What is it about pieces that you've made? Um, that wants you to keep them around. Yeah, uh, I, I every so often there'll be a piece that uh, to me is just it it exemplifies really or 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 even it, you know sort of goes beyond the whatever it was that I happened to be um, looking for at the, at the time, and it yeah. just uh, it just is 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 kind of becomes a. An iconic example of this particular form, this particular surface, mm. firing effect, uh, whatever, whatever it happens to be. Um, there's a, a, a very short story. There's a wonderful potter uh, named um, Michael Simon, and he uh, I, I happened to be visiting him a number of years ago with a couple of friends. Uh, he, Lives in South Carolina. Uh, we went through his house, and his his he has a huge house, and it's full of his pots. <laughs> I didn't see any work by anybody else. Sure. 
and they're all just just beautiful, beautiful work. Yeah. And I finally had the courage to ask Mike, "What you know? It's all this is all your work." This is, and yeah. he said, "Yeah, I know, I know." But uh, years ago, I decided that I would keep the best pot from every firing. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. And I thought, well, yeah, what a great, what a concept. And yeah. I, I haven't done that, but but I did, I I took that to heart, and so I've been sort of thinking about, well, this is a really lovely piece. I'm quite pleased with how it came out. Right. Um, th this will sell, or or maybe not, or yeah. maybe I maybe I need to hang on to it. So it's almost the thing that represents the ideal of what you were working yeah, towards? Yeah, uh, yeah, and I hate, I, I hate to use terms like ideal because <laughs> uh, it it's kind of goes against a lot of my thinking, but yeah. uh, it, it, does, it does represent um, something that, uh, I, or maybe I, maybe I feel like I need to hang on to it so I can yeah. keep learning more from uh, it. Is that what you mean by ideal goes against your way of thinking? Is that yeah, some... It, it, I don't, yeah, and ideal comes comes perilously close to the concept of perfection, mm. which I which is a, an idea that I really hate. Yeah, um, I really don't don't like the idea of trying to perfect something. Yeah. First of all, I don't I don't think it, I don't think perfection exists. Yeah. At least at least in the real world. Yeah. Um, and I think that too many people spend way too much time trying to get there. Yeah. And I. And so to me, the thought experiment is: All right, what if you could get there? What if you could make something perfect? Yeah. It would be boring. Yeah. It would be really boring. Yeah. Um, because then all of a sudden, it's it takes it out of the realm of 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 human experience. Right. Human to me human experience is all about the little the, all the imperfections yeah. that happened, all the unforeseen un, uncontrollable things that you know the the perfect life would just be utterly utterly dreary and boring, I think. It's interesting when I first started teaching design, I used to frame things in the term uh, in the in the way of problem solving and I've moved away from that because I've, I've realized that nobody, you're not really solving any problems. Even if you think you've, you've done all you've moved, done is move to the next, you've created a new problem then, right? Um, kind of like um, uh, you, you, uh, you, you give a child a spoon and you tell them to, to ladle soup out into their mouth with it. And all you've done is created a problem of, of getting uh, the soup to the mouth when they could have picked up the bowl and put it directly in their mouth. And so somebody designed a spoon, but really what they did was create a whole nother set of set of problems. And so I, I view that in a, in a way, kind of like the, the, the same when we discuss ideals is, you know, the perfection it would be also solving all of these problems. Mm. But in fact, you're just kind of, I don't know, playing jazz. You know, you're kind of uh, working around the notes rather than <laughs> hitting them all. Um, yeah, right. So, so what's the you, you you talked a little bit about um, uh, the the emergent properties of working with tools and we were talking a little bit about you know you're not trying to perfect something but you're looking to see what happens. What's the last thing that you've you've done and really stood back and went huh I didn't expect that. What was the last 
pleasurable kind of uh, discovery that you've had with things that you've been making? Yeah. Uh, um, well, I think uh, the uh, when we were we were uh, looking at that at that piece earlier with the with the chatter chatter marks in it. Mm -hmm. That was a that was a technique that I had seen. Uh, I'd actually been to Japan a, a long time ago and actually uh, seen it being used, um, but I, I had never I had never done it myself. Yeah. Um, so I I just decided a couple weeks ago that I would give it a, give it a try. Yeah. And um, it was it, it didn't bear any that particular technique didn't bear any relationship to anything I had done done before. Yeah. Really, it was it was just an entirely different, um, uh, different way, different decorative uh, technique. But it, it was it, it was intriguing, and so I tried it, and yeah. um, a couple of the pieces were I, I was very pleased with. So yeah. Um, so you took a blade from a, a, a saw and you made a tool out of it. What I found interesting, and then it it you know created the marks in the clay you were talking about. And what I found interesting when you were explaining that was you compared it to uh, the gravel um, in the driveway coming up. And it's almost like you, in your mind, you were evoking um, uh, similar physical things that are happening, but in completely different um, right. places. D different places, different scales, different materials. Yeah. But somehow a, a, the, the same physical process right is happening right um and um that to me th those those kinds of of intersections and uh resonances are, are always intriguing to me because it's always yeah. it's like oh this is like that it's interesting so, so you make those connections and then you also have these connections that you so you could put words to those by comparing them to other things and then we were we've been talking a lot, and you've mentioned on several occasions. This is kind of one of the last big questions I want to ask you. These these visceral kind of feelings that you have when you take something out of out of uh, when when something is it comes out of the kiln, or um, when you have a reaction to something that somebody else has made, but you can't quite put your finger on it. And and I wonder if if you could talk about that a little bit more. And and in terms of maybe even, you know. When you see those things, do they do you create connections between just like you're able to create a connection between the gravel road and, and the saw blade? Are you able with these feelings? Are you creating connections between this thing you're seeing and other feelings you felt? Or what what is it about that unspeakable that really fascinates us? Yeah, yeah. Um you're asking me to put words to the unspeakable, and mm, yes, yes, yeah, sure, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think you, I think you might, I think you might be heading in the right direction with the fact that that on on, on some level, um, you usually. Uh, uh, unconsciously uh, or subconsciously, that you 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 are making connections yeah. uh, with b between something that's that's in your immediate realm and something that you've experienced uh, at some point before, and um, you 
I think, at least in, in my experience, you often don't have immediate access to what what that prior experience even was, but it's somewhere in there, and um, yeah, it 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 sort of comes forward in 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 that kind of resonance of oh, there's there's something that feels familiar about that mm. or just um, pleasing and. Um, but at that point, I start to I, I start to uh, lose lose the vocabulary to yeah. to to really be able to describe what that is. Would it be less interesting? We were talking about materials and tools earlier, and how sometimes you don't want to know everything about it because then it makes it less magical. Would it be less interesting if we did know what the what the feelings or the mm. the reasons? Mm. Why yeah. Revoking. Good question. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's a really good end, actually, to this. I like. No, that's that's really good. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you just you you have to go. Well, yeah. Don't know. There was again yeah. another, another wonderful Potter uh, named Karen Carnes, uh, who was uh, she she was kind of a she was just one of these forces of nature and and yeah. and. Uh, early on, she was one of the very few women in in what has been a fairly male-dominated field. Um, but one of one of her one of her sort of uh, catchphrases that 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 she would always uh, often often end a conversation with was she just, she would go, "Don't know, we'll see." I like it, <laughs> not knowing. So. Um, the way I usually like to end this is by uh, giving an opportunity to talk about where people can find you, find the things that you're doing, what you're most passionate about right now. And I, I like to say uh, you can either give us an in-person or online address, although I'm guessing you want to give an online one. So, um, but if there are places that people can find you online or your work online, where, where can we find that? Yeah, uh, there are a number of galleries around that, that, uh, that carry my work. Uh, uh, there's a great gallery. Uh, ba it's basically an online uh, gallery, although they do have a brick-and-mortar store uh, called Schaller Gallery. Mm -hmm. um, they're in somewhere in the Midwest. I keep forgetting where. Um, I only I've only ever had experience with them o online. Yeah. Uh, S C H A L L E R. Okay. Um, there's a gallery in Denver called Plinth. Gallery, they're um, they're a great gallery, and they they all they all have online presences. Okay. Uh, and then there's my own website, uh, sidewaystudio.com. Okay. And you're on Instagram too. And Instagram. Yeah. So yeah. I don't remember. I think I have the. I do not. Um, but I think it's D. D. Hain Bayless. D. Hain Bayless. Yes. Uh, on Instagram, where that's where I found out about the you know the, some of the videos and other work you do and it was it's almost more interesting to to scroll through that and see the work that you're currently doing and what you find interesting and valuable to show people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I, I i find that that it's a it's an interesting tool and um i think lots of other people use it to to much better effect than i than i do but um uh it's 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 an interesting way of of sort of showing other people um things that I find intriguing and or yeah. just unexpected or hey look at that yeah. um, 
kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, well, Hayo Bayless, thank you so much for, for joining me today. Thank you. And uh, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Potter, board member of Studio Potter Literary Journal, and board member of Pots on Wheels. I really hope you enjoyed that podcast. Hain is a really interesting and, and um, special uh, uh, artist. We've, we, we've not had somebody like Hain on uh, this podcast yet. And, and again, by we, of course, I mean I. But anyway, um, uh, This Should Work has not had anybody like Hain on yet and uh, I really really enjoyed our conversation and I, I hope you did too next week we're going to be talking with a couple people from one of my favorite clubs in the Chicagoland area Hamfesters Radio Club about ham radio about how ham radio has contributed to our current maker culture and and a little bit about where ham radio and all of this stuff came from um, because I think it's really important to know not just where we're going, but, uh, you know, of course, look in the rearview mirror and understand uh, what everything that you're doing is built on top of. So we're going to be talking with some of them next week about some of the work that they do. And um, I hope you enjoy that podcast as, as much as I do. That'll be session nine. But for now, I want to thank uh, Hain and I want to thank uh, all of you for listening to This Should Work. Uh, stay tuned for podcast session number nine. And if you enjoyed This Should Work, please visit us at shouldworkmedia.com. Check out our podcast on any of your podcast subscription services and share our work on any of the many <laughs> social media platforms out there. Thanks again. This was session eight with Hain Bayless. Bye-bye. <laughs>